Fierce Athlete Podcast. We are female athletes being raw and real about the joys and struggles of life, both on and off the field. We share how faith can both heal our wounds and reveal true beauty. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce. Welcome, everybody, back to the Fierce Athlete Podcast. This is Sam Kelly, and I'm super pumped uh, to have our guest today. Our guest is Allison Habits. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sam. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, um, Allison and I, uh, it's really fun. We actually met at a conference, what is it, a little over a year ago now? And um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really connected. Uh, she's a big Big sportswoman herself. Allison's actually in her 22nd year as the associate head coach of Alabama women's softball. And uh, I had the, the fun privilege back in November of visiting her down in, in the promised land of Tuscaloosa. And uh, yeah, that is, it's, a, it's a great place. Hey, it's not called Sweet Home Alabama for nothing, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed a great place to be. <laughs> yeah we had it we had a good old time she gave me a, a whole tour of campus and um yeah got got to tour the football facilities and the athletic facilities and the softball facility and it was a it was a good old time yeah it was so great to have you here it was a short trip but I'll take what I can get from the fierce lady you know <laughs> <laughs> it's all good well Allison for our listeners who, who don't know you I would love if you would just yeah give us a little bit of your background um yeah your sports background maybe where you grew up and then how you ended up at at Bama and um yeah what's made you stay for so long it's so good Ooh, yeah let me see so yeah I'm a I'm a Cajun um from southwest Louisiana small town by the name of Crowley I, uh, I'm the youngest of eight from a uh, large Catholic family, uh, very blessed, I have great parents, great siblings, um, who kind of molded me into the person I am today. Um, grew up loving baseball because I had four older brothers who played and a dad who coached. So um, I played baseball. I didn't play softball. I'd really never seen fast pitch played. Our high school didn't have it at the time. And... So I wanted to just, you know, started playing baseball when I was seven years old, always with the boys. And I wanted to continue playing baseball in high school, which was kind of the natural progression. But there was a rule in Louisiana that said girls weren't allowed to play on boys' teams. So our high school principal, high school coach, went before the Louisiana High School Athletic Association, asked if they would make an exception to the rule since I'd been playing baseball and there was no softball at our high school, which was Notre Dame High School. And... They said no, so I had to go to court. So for two years, I was in court to try to change the rule, and um, the rule was finally changed, and I did, in fact, get to play baseball, high school baseball. So I was the first girl in Louisiana to play high school baseball, which was quite an experience, to say the least. Sure. Um, But I learned a lot from it, grew a lot from it, and uh, just had just amazing people in my life, family and friends and just a lot of support, which obviously helped a lot through that time. Um, so then obviously wanted to continue to play baseball, but I also played basketball in high school, ended up getting a basketball scholarship to go to the university of, at the time it was Southwestern Louisiana. Now it's Louisiana Lafayette and that's the raging Cajuns in Lafayette, Louisiana. So I went there to play, play basketball. And then, um, 
was walking around campus one day and saw like what looked to be a miniature baseball field. And it was a fast pitch softball field. And I was like, wow, this looks fun because, you know, my <laughs> passion was baseball. So I um, asked our basketball coach, Coach Thurl, if uh, I could maybe walk on the softball team because I loved, you know, I never played it, but thought, well, maybe I could, I could do that because, again, my passion was baseball. So they walk on tryouts, and I went out and tried out, and I'll never forget, like, first day was Yvette Gerard was the head coach, and Patrick Murphy, who you'll hear about later, um, was the assistant coach. So they're like, okay, what position do you play? Well, in baseball, I pitched and played first base. So couldn't pitch in softball so I said uh, first base so they said okay we get out there so, you know I'm way behind first base you know like okay hit me a ground ball and they're like no no, no come in I'm like okay uh bunt coverage then so I was like even with base and um so no, no keep coming I was like okay what what sport is this because I <laughs> you know my teeth are important so <laughs> anyway had to learn the game but ended up uh ended up walking on ended up making the team so I played basketball and softball for for four years and then um Graduated and ended up playing. There was a, a team called the Colorado Silver Bullets, which was a professional women's baseball team. So kind of born stormed the country. And um, I was blessed to be able to try out for that and made that team. And so for three years, I born stormed the country and got to play in like major league baseball stadiums. And I got to pitch and it was like, it was a dream come true. I was so blessed. Mm. So then after that, I wanted to go to law school. So I was preparing to go to law school. And then Patrick Murphy, who again was the assistant at UL whenever I played, he got the head coaching job at Alabama, and the SEC was just starting fast pitch softball. So he called me and said, hey, you know, why don't you come and help me start the program? And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go to law school. Like, coaching was never on my list of things to do. Mm. So I was like, well, you know, Murph was great to me in college. You know, maybe I'll just go and help him start the program, and then I'll go home and go to law school. And, yeah, that was 21 years ago. So <laughs> here I am, <laughs> still at Alabama. But it's been awesome. I mean, I guess I never realized at the time, you know, just how much, just how, how awesome it would be here at Alabama, but also just the student athlete. You know, I mean, college is such a critical time. They're just growing so much. They're away from home for the first time. And it's, I just feel like I can really make an impact on their lives in this short four years that they're here. And uh, it's challenging, but very rewarding at the same time. Mm. That's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we often find the, the plans we have for ourselves are different from the Lord's, you know, but then oh, yeah. oh, his are always better and he takes us on adventures and, um, ultimately, I, yeah. Yeah. It's... If you want to make him laugh, just tell him your plans, but <laughs> you better buckle up because he goes off road a lot in my life for sure. <laughs> yep. like, Whoa, where, where are you going? Lord? Like, what is this? Mine too. But yeah, it's quite an adventure. It is. Yeah. Quite an adventure. <laughs> It is. Oh my goodness. Well, Allison, we, um, we have you here for a special reason. Uh, you know, we are doing as our listeners probably know by now we are doing our, our topic based podcast. So we have started just discussing different, um, topics pertinent to the female athlete. And when I think of female athletics, um, you know, I, I think of all of the beauty and the hard work and the grit and, um, yeah, just all the goodness that comes with women's athletics. But I think there's also a unique side to the woman, um, that we see in terms of the mental game, uh, that often affects us as women, whether that's negative cyclical thinking or beating ourselves up or, or sensitivity to criticism. And, 
Um, I know you've done a lot of work, um, obviously a lot of coaching, but a lot of work over the years with women um, because softball is unique in that a lot of times, I guess the majority of the time, like baseball year, you actually fail, if you will. Um, so we, <laughs> we want to talk about failure. We want to talk about how do you, how, I mean, how do you fail like the right way? Um, does failure actually exist? How do you, how can you learn from your mistakes and, and ultimately how can you really control your thoughts and your mind and your, and, um, so that you have the ability to then refocus, um, to get back in the game, um, to be the best version of yourself. Um, so yeah, would love to just open it up to you and, and yeah, just get your thoughts on this, on this topic. Yeah, well, this is a topic that I'm uh, very familiar with. I will say, I uh, probably the I'd say the majority of my job is is really really about failure when it's all said and done. When when I first came in as a coach, again, it wasn't on my list of things to do, but it's like, oh man, I was you know I thought I was pretty good, so I'm gonna come and teach them how to hit, you know, like and just wove them in all of my great mechanics and the fundamentals and all that's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a thousand different ways to hit and all that. But what I've learned over the years is when it's all said and done, especially with, and I think this is for any athlete, um, the mental part is so critical. Yeah. So critical. And for the female athlete, even so much more. And, you know, I tell our freshmen every year, and I actually I remind our sophomores, juniors, and seniors that the biggest difference between you being good at this level, at the collegiate level, the biggest difference between you being good and great is how you handle failure, period, mm. end of story. Like, and that's the truth. And I've, I mean, just in my experience, the 21 years, without a doubt, the difference between the good and the great, because if you come here, you're good, but you either stay good or average, or you excel because based on how you handle failure. Because mm. everyone on the collegiate level is pretty talented. But the student athlete here will fail more times than she's ever failed in her life. Because if she comes here, she's had a lot of success. Mm. And specifically in the game of hitting, offensively in our sport, I mean, the stats show you will fail more times than you succeed. You will. And how you handle that is a game changer, without a doubt. Mm. So that's the piece that we work on probably more than anything because it's so critical. Yeah. Well, how, I mean, how do you start that? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I can see it. You know, it's like every – yeah especially when you're playing at the division one level and we have listeners who are all levels um but you're right you come into a big time program and you're used to being the best and all of a sudden you have all these new pressures in in and outside of the sport but specifically within the sport you know you got the pressure of wanting to perform wanting to play um wanting to do well wanting to impress your teammates wanting to impress your coach um and inevitably we're not perfect so we're gonna fail um so where, do, where does, yeah, where do you even start, um, with this process of, yeah, going yeah. from good to great? Well, I think as coaches, you know, and, and this is on every level, you know, and I, and I tell kids like at clinics and I tell our athletes this, like as coaches, I feel like we've, we've failed them because we work so hard at teaching them how to hit, how to catch, how to throw, how to pitch, how to bunt and every other fundamental that helps our athletes succeed. But again, in our game specifically, the stats prove that you're going to fail more times than you succeed. And the best, the elite in our game, fail six out of ten times. Mm. So the average athlete in our game is failing seven to eight times out of every ten at-bats. So it's imperative as coaches 
just like we teach them all the other fundamentals, like let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Like we have to speak on failure. Mm. I, I talk about like trying to teach them how to fail like a champion. Mm. And that, that takes work. But here's the thing, you know, I can go out and we can throw and we can work on our fundamentals and we can hit, I mean, until our fingers are bleeding, right? Like I can go out and practice all those things, but I can't just go out and say, hey, we're going to practice how to fail today. Because the only time you can <laughs> practice failure is to fail. <laughs> and that's what's, you know, such an interesting piece about it is that, you know, we kind of, we tell our, our athletes all the time, like, don't waste a failure. And when we do camps, I tell the young athletes that come to our camps, like, don't waste failure because that is the only opportunity you have to practice feeling like a champion mm. just like you practice hitting and all that it's imperative that you practice feeling like a champion because again it's, it, you're right it's all in how you look at failure I and mean, i think it was henry ford said that failure is just an opportunity to begin again more intelligently <laughs> so we learn from it yep you know but at the end of the day there you know just like you know, I always ask her, like, do you, do you always feel like studying for tests? No. <laughs> do you always feel like getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go lift weights? No, I don't. So it's not, why do you do it? Well, because I want to be a champion. I want to be great. I want to be the best version of myself. And whatever that is, I have to do things that I don't feel like doing. So when I fail, our default, especially for females, our default is frustration, mm. right? And I, we call them ants. Automatic negative thoughts. That's yes. our default. And sometimes those ants whoo, are very dark Yes. in the head. Like, whoo, they can get very dark. You know, and just on some level, it's like, you know, I let down the team. I let down everybody. I'm terrible. I'm awful. Like, you know, my mom wanted me a dancer. I should have been a dancer because I'm, I'm horrible at this. And I can just, you know, all those things go through your mind. And again, some of them are very dark. Mm -hmm. You know, what goes on in these, especially female athletes' minds. But it's a recognition of, okay, okay, those are ants. That's our default. So how do I reprogram the default? Yeah. In order to do that, I have to do things and act a certain way that I don't feel like doing or saying or acting. And the more I do that, the more I practice doing that, then all of a sudden the feelings catch up. Because I'm not going to feel like walking off the field like I'm, you know, a stud or going to the dugout and having some energy or you know, having some swag in my body language, like controlling all those things I can control, even though I don't feel, I feel like going to bury myself in the dugout in a hole because I feel like I let the whole team down, you know? Right. So there are different, different mechanisms, different things that work for different athletes. Um, but, but we have to work on those things. I mean, it's important to address them and work on them. And then, you know, for, for the female athlete to be honest about what she's thinking, mm. you know, because sometimes they don't want to say those dark things out loud, but yep. It's just like, you know, I equate it to confession. Like, the beautiful thing about confession, going to the sacrament of confession, is that when the, when the sin is brought, you know, it's in darkness, when it's brought to light, it loses its power. Yeah. Like, you realize, okay, yeah, I just said I was letting, oh, God, I let down the whole team. Okay, okay, you let down the whole, let's talk about that. So then I'll ask them, when, say it's Joan. Joan, when Sally's up to bat and she strikes out, do you say, Sally, God, I can't believe you struck out. You let down the whole team. Well, no, I don't think exactly. You don't think that. So what makes you so special to think that everyone thinks that you let them down? <laughs> like, it's not a reality. It's false. Like it's sure. a lie. Yeah. So I just, you know, and again, it, there's a trust thing, but there's an honesty thing to, 
to let us in to say, okay, look at these ants and let's evaluate them because 99.9% of them are false. Yes. Like everything they're saying to you is false. Let's call it for what it is. And then let's work through those things and act certain ways and say things out loud. Sometimes, you know, we talk about positive self-talk. Well, sometimes the answer is so loud and obnoxious that just saying, I'm, I'm great, I'm great. Like just thinking that, no, doesn't work. Like, cause the answer, like screaming, you're terrible. You're awful. Like you're, you know, so in order to counteract that, we have to speak out loud, like speak positive, like speak. So you, you're going off to, you know, you struck out your teammates on deck instead of just walking by her and like getting her hand, like, uh, you know, Debbie Downer. Anybody can do that, right? So, no, 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 we're going to act a certain way. So, now you're going to go up to your teammate and say, hey, Sally, look, she got me. You picked me up right here. Hey, you've been, you've been swinging at that inside pitch. I've seen you in practice. Like, she's going to throw you that inside pitch, you know? And you're going to crush it. Let's go. You got this. Mm. So, what did I just do? I just instilled confidence in my teammate. So, that's going to make me feel better. Then, Sally gets up there and she hits a bomb. You're welcome. That was me, right? I mean, <laughs> like, I'm a part of that. Right? So, Again, it's, it's little things like that that help you get out or ignore the ants where the ants aren't so loud. Mm. And then go in the dugout and say, hey, we got this. We got, you know, like just speaking words of what I'm going to do and then just positive words that we got this. We got this, you know. Yeah. And then we have some accountability partners in the dugout. You know, we go through different things again with different athletes, but it, it's, it needs to be practiced. It, it's not easy to do. Like they're not going to feel like doing it. So it's take it till you make it, basically. And then eventually, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I am good, you know? And then that's when the magic really happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. yeah, it's process. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the, I think... the main goal. Good. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The main goal in all of this is, is you know, because, again, when those ants are so loud, and I, and I speak to, like, the student athletes who might be listening, like, especially the female ones, like those ants get so loud and they're speaking such obnoxious lies that you're buying into that we forget about, especially the elite athlete, okay, or the athlete who can possibly play at the next level who's just a competitor, okay? And you think about this, Sam. If you're a competitor, right, let's say, and you are, right, we go to the mall, okay, and we play hot shot. You know that little basketball game, hot shot? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, like keep score, like you have a ball, have a ball, and like we're playing, Okay. And I'm shooting, I'm shooting, you're shooting, and I, you know, you finish and you're like, yeah, I got 50. And you look over at not my score and I got 52. What do you want to do? Play again. Yes. Don't you want to play again? Give me a score, <laughs> like, let's go play again. I'm beating your butt, right? Like, let's go. We're playing again. And you'll play again and I beat you again. Oh, sorry, Sam, I'm out of quarters. Oh, no. You probably have an extra quarter for me to, to use because. <laughs> You're not leaving there until you beat me, right? <laughs> totally. That's, that's in you. Like, that's that's a competitive spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, these female athletes, they have that. But it's a recognition, okay, we've got to tap into that. So when you walk off, like, the pitcher got you, you look at her like, sister, hey, hey, you better hope you're not in the game when I get up to that again because I got another quarter in my pocket. <laughs> like, I'm coming after you. I'm going to beat you, right? So that it's, it's learning how to tap into that. That So we want the spirit to be determination, not frustration, because the ants mm. lead to frustration, which, which just gets us, buries us in this dark hole where we think we're worthless, you know? Right. But that determination comes from that competitive spirit that they, they all have. They just don't know how to tap into it, you know? But it's teaching them how to tap it into that. And that's, yeah. again, when the magic happens, and they 
they tap into that competitive spirit. Like, oh, I got another quarter, sister. Let's go. It's on. I'm beating you, you know? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. You had just so many words of wisdom there. It's it's incredible. And, yeah, I mean, I think about how quickly, I mean, how quickly you go from zero to 100 in terms of negative thoughts. Like, it, it's in a matter of a second oh, where I start at, you know, I struck out to I am the worst human ever. You know, like I don't deserve to live. Oh, yeah. I know we said dark things. Like we go dark. Women go very oh, dark. We go real dark. Very quickly. Oh yeah. I, I tell coaches, I'm like, look, you guys, I'm just telling you right now, the female mindset is a very dark and dangerous place. I do not recommend entering alone without the necessary tools. Yeah. Because it's scary in there. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. It, it's it's scary and dark. The longer it goes, too. Like the for those who keep it in, and for those who have other issues, it's just oh, it just. Yeah, it can go, you're right, from zero to negative 100 and real fast. Right. Downward spiral quickly. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, first of all, for any listener, like, it, you're not alone in it. And, and I, what I love what you, what you said, Allison, was we need to bring these things to light because when we do, they lose power. It's the same mm-hmm. as sin. It's like when we yeah. speak things out loud, we lose power and, and hopefully, you know, our, our athletes are on a team where, where there is that environment where they, where they can do that. And if not, you know, do they, you know, do you have one teammate or do you have a coach that you can go to and, and, and ask for accountability, ask for help, um, and come up with some of these strategies. You know, something I, I encourage my athletes to do is, um, is tape their wrist or depending on their sport, you know, they could put stuff on their glove or bat or, but what I do is, is have them pick a statement. So, uh, my statement is I am enough. And that just means I'm enough mm-hmm. as I am as a daughter of God right here, mm-hmm. right now. It doesn't matter if I strike out, doesn't matter if I, you know, hit, hit a game winning home run. I mean, those things are incredible, but the basis of who I am is I am enough in the eyes of God. Um, you know, you could pick something else. I am loved, um, yeah. you know, that, like that's... just something to snap you yeah. out. And so. When I'm on the playing field, I encourage my athletes, look down, the ball goes out of bounds, soccer game, ball goes out of bounds, look down at your wrist, I am enough. It's just that it brings you back, or you miss you miss yeah. a shot. It, it just It's just a statement, um, and you had, oh my gosh, so many other, other good just pieces of advice, um, but just something that is going to kind of pull you out of it. And, and the other thing I love that you said, too, is was looking to help your teammates. You know, it's like, man, I think it's in... Um, there's a church document, got him at Spez. It's one of my favorite quotes, but it says, man only finds himself through a sincere gift of self. And when you can get out of your own world, out of your own negative cyclical thinking, and you can look to other and you can say, okay, yeah, maybe I just struck out, but I'm going to, I'm going to encourage my teammate to do the best she can. I'm going to instill confidence in her. Suddenly you're no longer thinking about how you just messed up. You're thinking about mm-hmm. the other. And that gets you outside of that. That's almost like selfish oh, yeah. spiral um, and when we're other focused, yeah. it's, it's just going to create this, this positive environment around us. Um, and then that's going to, you know, I think that generosity begets generosity and others are going to encourage us too. And, and you create all of a sudden this just different, different culture all around. Yeah, that, that's huge because that's, that's where it starts. And for us, and I'm telling you, if you were going to, if you were to ask me what has, you know, made our program successful for the last I guess, 21, 22 years, it would be that. We call it Mudita. And Coach Patrick Murphy, who's the head coach, he's just brilliant. And 
in cultivating a, a culture that is very others centered. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, you know, first day of practice, first team meeting every year. The first words out of his, his mouth is as soon as you realize it's not all about you, the better mm-hmm. off you're going to be not only on this team, but in life. And so from there, it, it's, it's just helping them recognize and, and giving examples. And, you know, we've had kids in our program who have, who have been role players on the bench, but who have been critical to us winning a national championship. You know I mean? So those like that other centered or the giving of self, like I might be frustrated because I'm not playing. Do you know what? I can make a difference here, you know, because m- what I do matters. And it's true. I mean, especially when you're talking about, again, when you're talking about females, what you do on the bench matters a ton, mm-hmm. you know, because misery loves company and negative energy matters for a female athlete. We want everybody to love each other, you know, mm-hmm. like guys, sometimes they, they don't care. Like they can go and play. They don't have to like each other, but girls play, we play better when we like each other. Mm-hmm. And when someone's mad on the bench, like it bothers us. So you know, you come back from a strikeout, I use this example a lot, you come back from a strikeout and you're on the bench and you're mad and you're angry, like, you know, the game's still going on and, like, your teammates are on, you know, they're they're sitting there watching the game, and, but they're looking at you, okay, you think she's ready? You think she's, okay, hey, hey, Sally, you okay? Nope, 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 not, not ready yet, she's not ready yet, hey, she's not ready. You think she's ready now? I don't know. Let's look at her. You know, like, they're so invested in you being okay. Mm. So I know you're not trying to be, but you're you're being selfish. But you're, you have negative energy that's affecting the team in a very real way. And, yes, I know that's not what you're trying to do, but that's the reality of what you're doing mm. because it affects everyone. Right. So, you know, we try to help them understand that piece of it too. And then you're right. I mean, as soon as I start investing in the hitter who's up or in my other teammate and really investing in someone else, those ants leave. I mean, they can't stay when I'm, in, when I'm giving of self. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a staple of our program without a doubt. And that's important i mean it really is and if you're going to ask me what's been the staple of our success it's that mm. and that's our goal is to make sure that everyone on the team knows that their role no matter what it is is valued and appreciated because it is it's very valuable and what they do when they give is appreciated mm. so that's you know that goes along with the failure and the you know only nine are going to be happy the ones that are playing you know everybody wants to play yeah. The reality is that everyone can't play, yeah. but your role on the bench is just as important, whether it's stealing a sign or having positive energy or, you know, doing something great that's going to help our team win. Right. So we have great examples of that. And that, that's what, you know, those are the, those are the moments as a coach when you, you're like, oh, yes. Like, they're so feeling, you know, it's like, I'm going to share this story with you because it's one of my favorite. And we have, we have several stories, you know, about Mudita, we call it Mudita. Mm-hmm. but the giving of self like, to be other centered and really being a great teammate. That's one of our, the rules of our team, like just be a great teammate, you know? So we're playing in 2012. We're at the world series. We're playing Cal. Who's the number one seed that year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we had never made it. Alabama had never made it to the three game series that goes like that. In essence, who wins a national championship, that three game series. We've never been the last two. One of the last two. So, we have to beat Cal to make it to the three-game series against Oklahoma. So we're playing against Cal. They have this really good pitcher. Her name is Jolene Henderson. Dirty, dirty, nasty changeup. Okay, she was really good, had a <laughs> really good changeup. So on that team that year, we had a girl by the name of Jackie Trina, four-time All-American, just an incredible athlete. She pitched every single inning of the College World Series that year. 
and pretty much led us to a national championship, right? Well, another kid on our team, her name is Ryan Iamuri. And Ryan is like four foot nothing, but let me tell you, a baller, you hear me, a competitor. She's a coach's daughter, just passionate about the game, and she's good. So for probably the majority of the SEC teams, she could have started at second base. We just so happened to have an All-American by the name of Kayla Hunt at second base at the time. Mm. So she wasn't a full-time starter, okay? So we're getting ready, you know, playing the World Series. We're getting ready to play um, Cal. And Ryan comes up and says, Allie, I'm going to pitch I'm, I'm gonna pick Jolene Henderson's changeup. I'm like, all right. I called her Nug, okay? Nug. Like, all right, Nug, you do that, you know? So I'm telling you, from the begin, actually the game the night before she watched her, she watched video on her. And then in the dugout, she's like locked in to Jolene's release, everything, okay? So finally, about the second or third inning, she says, Allie, I think I have it. I think I picked it. So, I, you know, she tells me, and I look, and I'm like, yep, that's it. You know, so good job. So Jackie Train is up to bat, 0-0 game. Ryan knows the changeup's coming. So she calls out a code word, it's like an S word, to let Jackie know a changeup's coming. Well, Jackie hits a home run. Mm. Okay, we score like two or three runs, right? Which end up being the runs that win the game. So here's the best part. Here's the part that just like, you know, so – Jackie's, I mean, look, everyone, I mean, just exploding out the dugout. You can imagine. Everybody's so excited. So they're all waiting for Jackie at home plate. Everyone is waiting at home plate. Just so excited. Jackie trained around third base. She's coming into home, and she steps on home plate. She points right at Ryan and says, Nug, that was all you, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And everyone celebrates. <laughs> and it's like at that moment, it was just, I mean, I will never forget that moment. I got chills in my cheeks and in my tippy toes. It was just, yeah. I mean, we didn't win the national championship that year, but that moment right there was just an odd, like the, the clouds parted, the angels started singing. Like, you know, cause it's one thing, it's one thing when the coaches validate the role for that kid on the bench, but when the four time all American validates it, mm. that's huge. Because then Ryan's like, wow, yeah, what I do does matter. Like Jackie, and the reality is Jackie doesn't hit that home run without Ryan. Right. So everybody else on the bench says, you know what? I, I can do that. Like, I matter. Like, I, I can do that. So it just validates roles that, you know, you don't see in the newspaper. You don't see that in the newspaper. So yeah. it's, the you know, that, that value and appreciation for your teammates, their roles, and that everybody can contribute. And everyone matters. Yeah. So those are just the special moments. As a coach, like when they, you know, they got it. Like, yes, mm. they got it. You know, and it's just those are special moments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I was talking with um, I work with a trainer, personal trainer, and um, I was talking with her the other day about this concept of failure, and we were trying to define it. You know, and she said, "Well, you know, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but she said, well, does does failure actually exist?'" Um, and mm-hmm. when I think about the story you just told, I mean, you know, we can look at the kids sitting on the bench. You know. If, or whoever kids listening out there and, and say, you know, they could say that's a failure. You know, I, I failed to earn a starting spot. I'm failed to play. Um, but I'm sorry. What was, what was the girl's name that called, called the home run? Ryan, Ryan. Ryan. I am your, we called her okay. Nug. But yeah. Ryan, Ryan didn't view that as failure. She viewed it as an opportunity, yeah. an opportunity for growth an opportunity yeah. to still con- contribute. And I think that's a perfect example of, you know, it's oftentimes when we fail or when, um, things don't go our way that when we can take those opportunities and we can learn from them and we can grow from them and we can still find a way to contribute, 
then I don't really think they are failures. I think they're opportunities for growth and they're opportunities to contribute in a way that um, is maybe more humble, maybe is, you know, full of less recognition, but, but again, you know, is, is so important and so dynamic. Um, And we should look for those opportunities. You know, that's an encouragement too, to our listeners. Like, you know, when you quote unquote fail or aren't, aren't performing maybe how you want or you're injured or whatever, can you look for an opportunity to make a gift to yourself, to contribute, to encourage, to be a light, to help, to help others be the, be the best that they can be too. Yeah, that's, uh, you hit it on the nail. That's exactly right. And again, that's, that's what we try. That's the culture that we try to, um, to have in Alabama for sure. Just because again, our fulfillment as coaches is when, the kid who set the bench most of her career, you know, at, at her final banquet in her speech says it was the best decision she ever made, you know, because we know that she grew not just as an athlete, but as a person and her experience. Yeah, she didn't get what she wanted, but through her dying to self, she became a gift for everyone else. Mm. And that gift was appreciated and validated. And that's just special because, you know, I, I always tell, you know, our athletes who, maybe role players most of their career, you know, I'll say like, you guys are more prepared for life than the four-time All-Americans because the four-time All-Americans, again, everybody wants to play. And yeah, the four-time All-American has to work hard and has to do all that, but she gets what what she wants every day. She gets to play. You don't, you are just as hard. Maybe you just don't have the talent or maybe there's just somebody better than you. So you have to die to self and still find a way to contribute and that's what life is about like <laughs> the rest of your life like dying to sell that's if you can learn that lesson in college then the rest is cake and their life will be easy for you because sacrificing and dying to sell that's the biggest lesson you can learn in life because then you'll have a life of purpose of fulfillment and of true happiness mm-hmm. and joy yeah. because you know that's we look after the mat you know i mean that's what jesus did obviously mm-hmm. so we're walking in his footsteps, carrying the cross, and you're right, making the best out of every opportunity we're given. To not just seek out what our blessings are, but actually to want to be a blessing for others. <laughs> and it's special when you have, you know, those athletes who are invested in doing that because they matter. I mean, on our team, and I'm telling you, look, that was the Cal game, but now we're in the national championship game, Sam. And I'm telling you what, if you were to ask, our All-American, Jackie Trina, all the All-Americans on our team that year, who's responsible for winning the national championship? Because we, we were one and one, so we went to the, the championship game. It got delayed because of rain, okay? If you were to ask them who's responsible for winning the national championship, they would say, my teammates on the bench. Mm. Because we're losing, okay? We're losing the game to, to Oklahoma. They have Kalani Ricketts, who's the player of the year, was just a beast. I mean, just so good. She was so stinking good and still is. But so we're losing. And, it, you know, we we have two outs, runner at second base, and the kid who's up to bat, you know, is kind of in a hitting slump. And the umpires say, okay, it's raining. You know, well, we didn't think it was raining that much because Jackie had just pitched in the rain. You know, all of a sudden they're delaying the game because, what, Kalani, you know, they started missing some balls and she started throwing some balls. So, Anyway, we're a little frustrated about that. Well, what do people do in a rain delay? Well, they go in the dugout, right? I mean, that's what normal people do. Well, our kids on the bench, 
came out of the dugout and just came alive. Like it was exhilarating. I mean, they just started cheering with our fans. They just, I mean, it was like electric. And the <laughs> Oklahoma bench is looking at us like, what are they doing? Like, what is going on? You know? So, and of course, when you're in the moment, Sam, you don't realize how the momentum is changing in that moment. Right. So, I mean, again, I mean, they're cheering. They're just, you know, our starters are on the bench and they're just kind of chilling out, but our role players are just electric out on the field. Like, come on, it's not raining. Let's go. You know, they're just so like, just so much energy and they came mm. alive. So the game resumes. Our kids up the bat, who's in a hitting slump, gets a double, we score. And that inning, we go ahead. I mean, it was just like, boom, a minute shift, like right away. So we end up winning the game, winning the national championship. And again, it wasn't until we came home. We come home, and there were all these signs. Like, everything was about dancing in the rain. Mm. Like, they had posters made. They had everything. And I'll never forget, we go to uh, Coach Saban's office, okay, ring the National Championship Trophy and stuff. We go to visit him. And he's talking. He's like, man, it was so exciting. And he says, I'm telling you, I knew in the rain delay that y'all were going to win it. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean you knew? I said, we were down with, you know, the player of the year is in the circle, two outs, and we're losing. Like, how'd you know we're going to win? I said, oh, you could tell. You could just tell. Like, the momentum was changing with the energy of the dugout, all that. I said, you could tell. I knew right then. We hadn't scored a run yet. And he said, I knew. And everyone talked about dancing in the rain. That was our role players. You know, so, again, it just – if you are that athlete who's just trying to earn a spot and you just can't get there, just make a difference where you are. Like, be where your feet are and be a blessing there. Make a difference. Make Whether it's through energy, whether it's through building up a teammate or stealing a sign or just being invested in something that's going to help the team, I promise you it will be, it will be rewarding. And that's hard to do. It's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But I promise you it's, it's rewarding in the end. Mm. And also I'd encourage parents to recognize that too because that's the thing. It's like if your mom and dad, like you want to see your kid out there, right? You want to see, what they don't see is oftentimes is what they're doing for the team, you know, in the dugout, the leadership, the, the positivity, the things that they're bringing to the table. And they don't have to necessarily be out there. They can be like another coach. They can, they can do a lot and not actually be on the field doing it. So, you know, our advice to parents is always, Hey, you look great in uniform. Like I'm so glad you're on this team. It was so fun to just be out here and just watch you be on this team. I know that you're making a difference, you know, not, Hey, why aren't you starting? You know, because then the kid always feels like she's not living up to a standard, you know, yeah. when you're on a team, like that's wow. You're wearing the Jersey. That's, that's huge, <laughs> you know? So I know sometimes that, that can be difficult, but sure. it's just important to validate everyone's role. No matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and that just, that comes back to, and, and uh, I've harped on this across this podcast. Every individual is unique. Every individual is special. Every individual is loved and worthy and worthy of love. And, um, you know, we live in, in such a cutthroat culture, especially within women's athletics where, um, yeah, I think, and you're, you're preaching against this, but, um, where, you know, the kids that play and have the, the notoriety, like they all, they almost have more worth or they have, um, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, and, and that yeah. um, can be, 
that could be a, a cause for hopelessness and, and defeat and depression and stress and anxiety and, you know, you know what you're saying with automatic negative thoughts and the, the cyclical thinking. And, and again, I just want to encourage our listeners who are in that place. Like you are, you are worthy of love. You are worth it. You deserve to be on your team. You have something to contribute. Um, and if you don't feel like others recognize that, know that in your heart of hearts. Um, and if you're on a team mm-hmm. where, and maybe you can offer some advice on this, Allison, but what about the kid who's, who's sitting here right now? Like, okay, I hear you, but I don't have coaches or I don't have teammates that believe this. How can mm-hmm. that person start making a difference? Um, how can they choose right now to, um, and it, you know, it has to start with them, but, but any advice to that kid mm-hmm. who's like, okay, I'm in that place where, I, yeah, I have these negative thoughts. I don't feel like I'm part of my team. I don't feel like I can contribute. And I don't feel like um, my coaches are creating this culture. How can they really begin begin this process, you think? Well, I think, you know, and listening to you say all this, um, we have to rewind because probably more than the failure piece that we talk about, um, we talk about and we say this on a regular basis and we remind them that softball is what you do it's not who you are. Mm. It does not define you. Like you're so much more than a softball player. That's that's not who you are, you know? So, and then to go into that and say, I mean, you're, you're, you're a child of God. Like you're created in his likeness and image, given a fingerprint that he was very intentional about that nobody else in the universe has. (laughs) So if he's going to be that intentional about the circular path on your finger, pattern on your finger, how much more intentional is he going to be about the specific talents and gifts that he gives you? Mm-hmm. You're unique. You're special. So that's who you are. That's where your worth comes from. It's in and through him. Everything else is extra. So you may not be as talented or you may not be getting necessarily what you want, but that's not where your worth comes from. So I think the relationship with Christ is, is vital. Is a vital piece for that because at the end of the day, you have to know where your worth and where your authentic worth and value comes from. Mm. Because if you don't, then yeah, it, it can, <laughs> then you're on a roller coaster ride, you know, mm. especially in our game because the failure piece and all of that. I mean, if your worth and value is based on what you do in the softball field solely, then it, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, you know, and especially for the female athlete who wants to please everyone, you know, mm. and wants to be perfect. So, I think that's that's the first statement that should have been made, and that's why I rewound because like that's that's the the biggest piece of all of it. It's it's knowing where your identity, where your authentic worth comes from, mm. and then you know it's even though you know that it's still hard because you know you're an athlete, you want to play, you want to you want to contribute. So if you're on that team where you don't feel like you're being appreciated or valued, then you know I think that's maybe. God's calling you to enter into a deeper relationship with him, mm. like entrusting him, like, Lord, every day, like, Lord, give me the grace to, to make a positive difference for you. And he'll give you an opportunity and, to, and you'll, you'll affect one person's life and you'll be like, wow, that was so not me. So thank you, Lord, you know, mm-hmm. but he'll give you the grace. He'll give you opportunities and make you recognize things that will fill you because, you know, winning a national championship was incredible. Right. And, and winning champ- won the SEC championship last year, won the World Series. All that's great. There's nothing more fulfilling in my life than knowing that I'm, you know, made a positive difference for someone in the spiritual realm. Like 
I showed them that they were loved, mm-hmm. that they're valued, that that Christ loves them and died for them, and that you know, just leading them closer to to God and for them to realize that they're they're loved more than they can ever imagine, no matter what they do on the softball field. So that's where I get, you know, that's what fills you the most because we're created for that. You know, I mean, that's that's our identity, that's our purpose. Ultimately, is we're given these gifts to glorify Him in all that we do. So anytime I have an opportunity to lead someone closer to Him, or maybe to hopefully be His presence for someone, that's that's when I find the most fulfillment. And I think that's the case for all of us because, again, I think that's what we're created for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, we've been talking this whole time about opportunity, you know, not looking at what we've done as failure, but as opportunity. And maybe this is just an opportunity like right now for our listener um, Mm -hmm. to want to turn to God. You know, I've said if, if we believe in mercy, if we believe that God desires to forgive us, that he died, which side note, the crucifixion could be seen as the biggest failure of all time. I mean, yeah, this, this guy that, 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 um, said he was God, let humans kill him, you know, but again, that's mm-hmm. not the end of the story. And we know that he, yeah. he rose from the dead. Um, and he did that so that we could be back in relationship with him. And so, um, if we believe that, if we really believe that, then there, we don't ever have to settle for fa- for failure because we always can turn back to God. We could always turn back to him, yeah. whether we're, we're sitting in, in, a sin, whether we feel like we've kind of been self-enclosed and we've been um, falling to frustration and we've not maybe been the best teammate. Um, you know, we, we do have the grace of, of prayer. We have the grace of confession to really turn back to God in his mercy and, and ask him. And it could be a, just a very simple prayer. If you've never prayed before, or if you don't really know how to do this, it could just be a simple prayer of Lord, help me, help me to to think positively, help me to be a gift, help me to help my teammates. And those, those prayers is, is is really where we ask for his grace and it's, it's where we begin. And, and, and I mean, I I sat the bench for three and a half years. I mean, I played for five years and, um, Mm -hmm. I I lived this, you know, and, and it was through a lot of struggle, but I really made a gift of myself and I considered myself the captain of the B team, the captain of the bench, you know, and I went on to become a captain and start, but, but by doing little things, writing teammates notes, um, encouraging them, always cheering and standing during games. I saw the culture of my team change. I I really did. By the time I was a a captain, it was less cutthroat. It was more of a, a, a supportive team of love, a team that, that even prayed together. Um, and so, yeah, just the encouragement, like this is possible, but it, but it, it has to start with that from that place of, like you said, that recognition that I am a daughter of God and I'm loved as I am. And I need to turn back to him and ask him for, for forgiveness and also for the grace to, to be a gift, to be a gift to my teammates. Yeah. And you know, when, when you say that, like I'm, we, when we're going to kind of segue to the spiritual side of this, you know, talk about don't waste a failure, you know, um, there's also the piece of not to waste your suffering, you know, and mm. obviously it's the University of Alabama, it's a secular campus, so it's not like I go out and preach or whatever, you know, I try to live my life um, the right way and try to be a good role model, but, you know, there have been occasions where I've maybe one-on-one with an athlete who's really suffering or who might be injured or who might be just really struggling with their performance, and, and we talk about redemptive suffering and, and the power of that 
because to me, like, I remember the USA uh, national team came, they played here, actually they played here again this year, the Olympic team, it was USA national team at the time. So all the elite athletes throughout the country, they were playing in Tuscaloosa. And one of their athletes asked me to do a Bible study with them. I'm like, sure, you know? So I prayed about it. Well, what came to mind, like, again, everyone can relate to suffering. Like, I don't have to try to suffer. Like, it's going to happen. You know, yep. from from a headache to striking out four times in a game to sit in the bench, like, there will be suffering to, to tragic deaths. I mean, there will be suffering in your life. So the whole Bible study was about redemptive suffering. And, like, w- when you recognize that Can you just explain what redemptive suffering is? Well, okay, so, like, w- when I try to explain it, it's, I guess, you know, I'm not theological in the sense of like trying to, you know, use all the theological words, but the simplest way I can say it is that like Christ through his suffering and death on a cross brought about our greatest gift, which was redemption, right? But for him dying on a cross, he doesn't rise and horrible suffering. Like why did God choose that? Why the horrible suffering? You know, and you ponder that you think, well, you know, obviously there's probably several different reasons he can relate to our suffering. There's nothing we can experience that he hasn't experienced first. But also, he knew what the evil one would use against us mm. in the sense of, like, death, suffering. Like, that's when we feel the furthest away from God. Like, why does a good God make people suffer, right? I mean, that's yeah. the big question. So, in essence, he, he turns suffering around and he gives, he makes it redemptive because mm. he suffers and dies, but then... He rises from the dead, and through that, we have salvation. So our greatest gift came through his suffering and death, Mm. and then ultimately his resurrection. So since we're the body of Christ, we can participate in that because we're all part of Jesus. Like, we're the body of Christ. So when I suffer, whether it be a headache, whether it be a tragedy, or whether it be striking out, you know, I can say, all right, Lord, like, I just offer this. I unite it with your cross because he's outside of time. So I unite this suffering, whatever it may be, with your cross, with your suffering, and I offer it up. You used to hear your grandma say, hey, offer it up. You know, if I know what that meant, you know, offer it up. Well, yeah, I offer it up. And it could be specific, like, for my mom, who's really going through a hard time. Or it could just be, I'm going to offer it up for somebody who might get in a car accident today and may not know you. Like, use my suffering as, as a prayer to give them grace. So then our suffering has power. Like, mm. It's even more powerful, I think, than just a, a prayer. Yeah. So it becomes like the incense, you know, in, in church and to the incense going up to heaven. Like, that's how I, when we offer it up, it's like it's our suffering because nobody likes to suffer. So we take it, we turn it on its head, and we unite it with Christ on the cross. So then it has redemptive value. It has value and power for whatever intention we might have or just to build up the kingdom, Mark, or use it. And, you know, I always say, like, one day in heaven, you know, like how great would it be if somebody come up to you and say, hey, remember that, remember that day you were 0 for 4 in that game? Like, and, and you offered that up. Like, you gave it to Christ. Well, he used that for me. I didn't know him. Mm. And I got an accident that day, and he used that for me, so thank you. You know, like, wow. I mean, what a celebration, right? Like, yeah. You, know, you always chills. see, like, you always see, you know, Major League Baseball, they hit the home run, and they point up to the sky. I'm like, you know, I want you to strike out and point to the sky. Like, you know, Lord, I'm offering this to you because this stuff stinks. Like, I, I don't like it, but it's here. I have to deal with it. So instead of just wasting it, use it. Turn on 
said, use it for good. Unite with Christ and his sufferings, and he can use it for good. It's a powerful prayer. So, you know, that, that's, again, the spiritual part of failure and suffering. But I think it's a, it's a valid point because, again, then it's not just um, suffering. There's no, it's just like, uh, it's hard. But when it has worth and that, it's like, oh, man, this is for, I can use this? This has power? Then it's like, yeah, I can do this. Like, unite with Christ and let's go. This stinks, but all right, Lord, here we go. You know, I'm going to do this. So use it for however you see. Mm. So I think that's, you know, again, for athletes who fail and everybody suffers. You know, I think everyone can relate to suffering. So I think that's just a, I don't know, it, it helps me a lot. And I think in, for athletes who go through bearing the cross, you know, I mean, I think that's what it's all about is uniting it with Christ because he can use it for good. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Amen. And then that was a moment. Yeah, you know, I talk about like, come Holy Spirit, come, like use me however you see fit today. You know, like I remember that it was a specific conversation that I had with one of our athletes a few years ago, and all of a sudden I started talking about redemptive, sac- you know, suffering, and I'm like, after the conversation, I was walking away. I'm like, wow, that was so not me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> like, that was so not me. I don't know. I, there was no intent to say any, but I mean, I could, I could tell that the athlete really got it. And then she started using it. Like she, you know, it's like, wow, that makes sense, you know? And but it was so not me, you know? I'm like, high five, Jesus. Thank you for that. Cause that was so not me. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And um, then ultimately it, it, it reinforces the reality that we're never alone, you know? Yeah. No matter what, Absolutely. no matter the, the crap we're going through or the struggle or whatever, I mean, we could really unite it with Christ on the cross and use it and use it yeah. for good. And I can, I can say this in my own life. I can say it of the lives of many of the, the women that I know and I'm friends with and I've worked with. And I'm sure Allison, you can say this too. It's, it's those experiences of suffering or failure or label it, whatever you want, where you will, I promise you, if you embrace it, if you offer it up and if you um, give it to God and, and continue to fight and go through it and make the best of it, I mean, that, those are the growth opportunities. Those are where you grow the most. Mm-hmm. Those are where you become the woman, the Christian, the, the athlete that you were really created to be. And that's, I think that's like you said in the beginning, that's where you go from good to great for sure. Absolutely. Without a doubt. 100%. And that, that's what I like about the athlete, because to me, the athletic, the athlete's journey to being the best that she can be and the spiritual journey being the best version of ourselves are so parallel mm-hmm. in so many things like dying to self, like, you know, getting up and working out when we don't feel like it. Like I have to pray. When I, I don't necessarily feel like it all the time, but I know there's grace there. You know, the mm-hmm. suffering, like it, it's just, there's so many parallels with athletes and the spiritual journey. And it just, it fits perfectly in Absolutely. so many ways. Absolutely. But yeah, the piece of you're never alone is critical because yep. that's where the evil one wants to take you. And that's, mm-hmm. he wants to lead you to, death and destruction and hopelessness and despair and make you think that nobody else is going through this and you're worthless and all that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that you're not like, that's you're right. The opportunity to grow the most and to really experience the love of Christ in a very real way. Yep. And we do that most of the time when we're suffering, mm-hmm. that's when he's the closest to us. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and we need to, we also need to pray for protection. I mean, we don't want to create any sort of target for the devil. Like, oh, I'm just being attacked, you know, or oh, like, no, like Jesus is Lord. 
he's Lord, you know, he he crushes Satan, you know, like, um, but we do need to pray for protection because ultimately on a spiritual, on a spiritual realm, these, you know, these ants, these negative thoughts, they're lies. They're what, they're what the evil one wants you to believe about your worth, about your um, performance, about yourself. And we have to pray for protection and, and again, go back to the source of love and, and hear the Lord tell us that we are loved and we are worth it. Um, yeah. And yeah. Just that, that, that prayer for protection is just so, so important and it can be simple, you know, Lord, just protect me today. Cover me in your precious blood, protect my thoughts. And when I face those, those negative thoughts, help me to turn, turn my mind back to you. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that, sister. Amen. <laughs> for sure. Amen. Amen. Just keep saying his name. Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Get away from me. Satan, get away, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes it's a battle, but hey, it's, it's worth a fight, for sure. It's definitely worth but yeah, a fight. he wins in the end, and we know that he's all-powerful, so we, we shouldn't be afraid of that, because, you know, we don't welcome it. We try to get rid of it, but when it does happen, then we just, we know where our source of power, everything good in our lives comes from. And that's who we trust in. Jesus, I trust in you over and over again. Jesus, I trust in you. (laughs) So it's a beautiful thing about our faith. Absolutely. You know, I I would like to just, just, and this is probably a topic for a further podcast, but I would just like to make a note. If you're in a place, I'm saying this to our listeners, where, um, you're experiencing these negative thoughts, but they're going to the level of self-harm. They're going to the level of suicidal ideation. Um, you need to talk to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. you know, everybody experiences negative thoughts, but when they get to that realm, um, you, you know, you, you might, you might be sick, you might need some help and that's okay. Um, and so, I would just really encourage our listeners and uh, Allison, I'm sure you've had experience with this with different athletes. I've had experience working with a lot of different individuals, um, where, where you need, you need to tell somebody and that's okay. And maybe you just need to see a therapist. Um, uh, maybe you, you know, there's obviously cases of mental illness where you might need some medicine and things and, and you might need to just bring a professional into the realm. Um, but just because we're kind of talking about this, this mental, um, state, I just did want to offer that encouragement to our listeners um, that if it is going over that line, uh, I would really encourage you to to talk to somebody um, because yeah, you don't you don't want to be living in that in that headspace absolutely, and we want you to be safe because we love you. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I would I definitely ditto on that, and you know because there's so many resources now for that, and I think you know when it comes to athletes, we're we, we want to be strong. We want to, oh, I got this, you know, like take it till you make it kind of thing. But it is a recognition that no, 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 this is, I can't, I can't, you know, they're just a downward spiral and I'm really down deep and I, I am thinking of some really bad things and it's okay. Like it's, you're not weak. you actually have more courage when you're able to speak to someone and, and admit that and just like have the courage to say like, this is happening. Cause that takes courage, Yes, you know? So, don't look at it as a weakness or that I just, I'm just, I can't handle it or whatever. No, no, I have the courage to say, I need help. And that's okay because we all need help on this journey. Mm-hmm. Like that's why God put people in our lives mm-hmm. to help us on this journey. We all need help. You're not alone, but it's important that you ask for help because sometimes it's so, we get so caught up in team setting that 
you know, there might be one athlete who's really struggling, who's putting on a good front because that's what she's used to doing. But inside, you know, it's it's very dark. So definitely don't be afraid of that. And it takes a lot of courage, but it will uh, it will benefit you in the end. And there's, you know, you're not alone. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And we all need help. Amen. Amen. Well, Allie, as we, as we wrap up here, um, yeah, any final words of wisdom, piece of advice, things you'd love to just leave our listeners with? Uh, you know, just, I think we, we've talked about a lot of stuff and, um, I'm just honored that I have the opportunity to to speak about these things. There's just so much in the world of sports and especially the female athlete too, and the mindset, the failure piece, the struggle, all of that. There's so much that goes into that. I think the bottom line though, is really truly truly knowing where your worth and your value comes from. And, you know, oftentimes I think we had talked about this earlier, you know, for, for a female athlete, um, her relationship with her dad sometimes is very, it's Mm. critical, you know, and, and oftentimes, you know, your dad might be pushing you to be the best that you can be. And, and in his mind, he's pushing you and he thinks he's really motivating you and he's doing what he's supposed to do to get the most out of you. But on your part, you see it as, okay, dad loves me more when I'm four for four and he doesn't love me as much when I'm over four. Because it doesn't look like he does. Yeah. So I deal with that aspect a lot. And the reality of it, most of the time, 99% of the time, is that it's just a, it gets lost in translation. Mm. Because again, the dad adores his daughter. <laughs> Whether she's over four or four for four, he adores her. But he thinks what he's doing, because he's a guy too, and that's what he's used to doing, pushing her. Like, that's what he's supposed to do. Meanwhile, the female athlete is like, I'm letting down dad. I mean, hitting is hard enough. And now it's like, now I, I'm letting down dad. That's, that's tough. That's heavy. It's very heavy. And that happens a lot on our level because the pressures and all that. But, but most importantly, it's, it's wanting to please dad and mom too. But dad is really the critical piece in my mm. experience. Dad has been the most critical piece. So yeah, just, you know, just talking to the female athlete, like if you're feeling that, like, don't be afraid to have a conversation with your dad, okay? Because I, I guarantee you, you may mm. not feel this, but he adores you. You're his, you're his baby girl, and he adores you. So whether you're 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, he loves you. And ultimately, you have a father in heaven who adores you as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're not feeling that, don't be afraid to have that conversation with dad. Say, you know what, dad, I, I, I need you to lay off, or, I, you know, this makes me feel like, you know, you're disappointed when I, when I don't do, do well, you know, when I don't hit well, or, you know, just have that hard conversation because I think if dad knows you feel that way, he's not going to do it. Or he'll mm-hmm. try to lay off more because he just, ultimately he wants you to know he loves you. Mm-hmm. So I'd leave with that just because we didn't talk about that a lot, but that, that's another really whew, critical piece for the athlete on, on our level for sure. Yeah. No, that's huge. That's huge. And I, yeah, Allison, I'd love to have you back at some point to, to dive into that more and, and dive into maybe for, for dads or coaches, how to coach women. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a, a different oh, yeah. game, if oh. you will, than, uh, than coaching It is boys different for sure. Female yeah. mindset is so, yeah, really different. And I know that, you know, mostly, I mean, I've played with the guys most of my life, you know, 
baseball and then had male coaches and now coaching female it's just completely different you know and it's it is it's understanding that mindset of the female athlete and the fact they want to please and they want to be perfect for you and that's you know guys i'm sure there's some guys who want that but to the extent of they're going to focus more on what they don't do well than what they do well without a doubt so yeah we can definitely have another podcast on that because yeah that's a lot of stuff (laughs) cliffhanger for sure yeah (laughs) well awesome well allison thank you so much for just joining us for being here for offering your your wisdom your joy um it's just been it's been a lot of fun well it's been an honor fierce lady and your work is incredible and i just value and appreciate what you do and um for the female athlete which is awesome so we need more of you and we need more uh podcasts like this and just more resources for the female athlete and I just especially for their worth and their value and just their femininity all that stuff there's just so much to be talked about and I just appreciate your work and what you do thank you thank you and to our listener thank you for having just the courage to to listen to this um we hope and and pray both Alice and myself will and do will be praying for you and do pray for you um and yeah, we'll just pray for, for your battle, you know, for your, your positivity for, um, that, yeah, you would just be able to really, uh, find your worth in the Lord and, and act from that place and find your role on your team, um, and in life, um, in general. So please, um, uh, do not hesitate to reach out to us. If you have any follow-up questions, um, need any advice, uh, our email is info at fierceathlete.org. Um, yeah, we're here for you. So just thank you so much for listening. Please um, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening from. Feel free to offer comments. Um, feel free to uh, request more of these topic-based podcasts if you have something you want to hear more about. Um, keep an eye on on Bama softball this coming season. Roll Tide. Um, Roll Tide. We're going to get some fans all over the country. And uh, if, if they're coming to play yeah. near you go out to a game they're uh they're a lot of fun so um, we love you we're praying for you thanks everybody for listening take care play fierce pray fierce live fierce